Good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's turn in our Bibles to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 20 to the end of the book in Haggai chapter 2. As you have your Bibles open there before you, I want to remind you that what we have here is God's holy inspired word given to us to build us up in our most holy faith and to strengthen us. So let's be attentive to what God has to say to his people this morning and pay close attention for this is the word of the Lord. Haggai chapter 2 verse 20. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the, ki- the, overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, everyone by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheathiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. This is God's holy, inspired word. Let's give him thanks for his word this morning. Our great and glorious God, we give you thanks for who you are and what you've done in our midst. That, Lord, you have called us here to this place to be built up and strengthened in our faith by hearing your word proclaimed to us, your people. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the word made flesh, the King of Zion who reigns and rules over all things. Lord, we thank you that we have been reconciled to you through his mighty work and that he has left his imprint on us, that we belong to you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mighty works. And we pray, Lord, that we would be attentive to your word this morning as we rehearse and remind ourselves of what you've accomplished in our midst and what you still plan to accomplish for your people as you bring greater glory to your name. We pray in King Jesus' name. Amen. Now, kids, if you're drawing this morning, I want to invite you to uh, take out your piece of paper and your pens or your pencils, whatever you're working with this morning. And I'd like to see at some point in time if anybody could draw a hand with a signet ring on it. A hand with a signet ring on it. Maybe as I describe the idea of a signet ring, you'll have more details to fill in. But something to draw, or maybe a big earth with a hand over it. That might be something that you could draw this morning. Tenth and Lynnhurst this morning, on our way to church, I'm in the truck with Levi and with Luke, and we're happy on our way to church, and come to a stoplight, and the light is red. We stop. Our friendly neighbor driving next to us does not stop. And runs right through the light between two cars that were passing in the intersection. And you could hear the gasp. (gasps) And everybody's okay. All the cars make it through the intersection. And I look at the boys and say, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is helping us. The Lord is protecting us. And they're like, okay. We keep driving. We get onto 38th Street. Come to a stoplight. We stop. Our neighbor, friendly neighbor, does not. Runs right through the stoplight. 
And out of the mouth of babes, an 11-year-old little boy sitting next to me in the truck says, what is this world coming to? <laughs> He's not even driving yet. And I said, good question. There's an answer for people who ask those kinds of questions. What is this world coming to? And for a people who are desiring, longing, seeking to live faithful lives in a world full of distress, full of danger, and full of strife, God has a word for you. For you who are seeking to be faithful in this world, God has a word for you. And he spoke his word first to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, who was given authority by the king of by the Persian king to come and to back to the land of Judah to rule and to serve as the governor, not as king, but only as the governor to oversee the construction of the temple of Jerusalem. Zerubbabel has been a faithful governor, not just to the king of Persia. He's been a faithful governor before his God who has given him instruction and the courage to continue to do the work. Zerubbabel has been a faithful servant in Jerusalem. How do we know that? Because on the 24th day of the sixth month, now this, what we have before us here is on the 24th day of the ninth month, ninth month but the, on the 24th day of the sixth month, while Darius was king, Zerubbabel and the people of God began to do the work of rebuilding the temple. You remember that from our study, that the word of the Lord came and on the 24th day of the sixth month, they continued and began to do the work, faithfully obeying the word of the Lord. Here on this third anniversary of that day, the 24th day of the month, we learn um, from a, the previous passage that um, on, verse, on verse 10 of chapter 2, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai. Well, we've already studied that first prophecy that came on that day, the 24th day of the ninth month. We come to another prophecy that had happened on that same day. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai. But this word is specifically given to Zerubbabel from the Lord to encourage him to speak a word of hope to a man who may have been wondering, what am I doing here? What's my, what's my future hold? Am I, just, am I just merely a servant at the, doing the bidding of the king in Persia? Or is there something more to my life? He knows his history. He knows his family history. He knows who he is. He knows the promises that were made to his great, great, great grandfather, David, that king of Jerusalem. What does his future hold? Because what it looks like in the news, in the evening, if, if there was news for Zerubbabel to turn on or to read in the morning, it would have looked like this. The nations are at war. The nations are raging against one another. Persia against Egypt. Egypt against Persia. The Greeks are on the rise. The world is in turmoil. Everything is, well, what is this world coming to kind of moment? And that's the context in which the word of the Lord comes to Haggai, and Haggai takes this word and speaks to Zerubbabel. What does he speak? Well, we see in verse 21, the Lord says, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, First, there's going to be destruction. 
That's what we're going to see first, that the Lord speaks of destruction. But then the Lord is going to speak of restoration. First, the Lord will speak of destruction. Secondly, the Lord will speak of restoration. But first, the message of destruction. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. I am going to make the cosmos quake, is what the Lord says. Now, I like to go in Hobby Lobby in the holiday season and walk around and look at all the snow globes. Anybody else like snow globes? I am that guy who walks down the aisles and takes the snow globes and turns them up up and shakes them and moves them and and spins them. And so everybody can walk through and see what they're actually going to look like when they're shaken. The Lord says, I'm going to take the cosmos and I'm going to shake it up. And all the loose particles, the things that are shakable, they're going to move. But that little, little town in the middle, that when you shake it, it doesn't move. It's not going to move. The snow will, and the snow globe is going to move. The shakable things, but the unshakable thing will remain. And that's what God's going to do to the cosmos. He's going to take all of creation and shake it up. And the shakable things are going to go everywhere. But unshakable things will remain. I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. He's going to make the cosmos quick. That should cause us to have a little bit of discomfort, to think about the heavens and the earth being shaken. But then he says, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth, and I'm going to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall go down every one by the sword of his brother. God is telling Zerubbabel all that you know as normative in the world is about to be changed. The Lord says, I am about to. Now when you say I'm about to, to say an 11 year old, That means that probably should happen within the next 10 minutes to the week. Somewhere in that window. Because to say I'm about to means it is at hand. But when the Lord says, I'm about to here, he's not putting a time stamp and a marker for us to be. Put the date on the calendar, look for that date, plan your life around that date, because you know that day is coming. What he's saying is, I am going to, you can count on it, it's in the future. But it will happen. You can't mark it on the calendar, but you can mark it in your life that there is a day that's coming when the Lord says that he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. He is going to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. Persia, beware. Egypt, beware. Greece, beware. Peoples of the earth, beware. The kings of the earth, their thrones, the throne is just that representation of authority. It is that object in a person's kingdom, in a a king's uh, kingdom where it says this place, where this throne is, that is the place of authority. That's all going to be overturned. The thrones are going to be like snowflakes up in the air. But he's also going to 
destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. So not only will the authority be overturned, but their power, their strength is also going to be overthrown, destroyed, done away with, obliterated. Pick the word. It's going to be demolished. Their thrones overturned. Their strength done away with. And he, the Lord says, consider how he's going to do it. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And we know that the Lord is able to do that because we've seen him do it before. Remember the Exodus. The people of God coming out of slavery coming up against the wall of the Red Sea, being pressed up against the sea by the chariots and their riders. And the Lord overthrew the chariots and the riders. God wants the rebel to remember that. The Lord wants you to remember that. That when he shakes the heavens and the earth and he overthrows the thrones and he destroys their power, you should be thinking just like Pharaoh and his army. There's coming a day when the Lord will destroy the power of the kingdoms. But there's also coming a day when the Lord will destroy these kingdoms and their power. And it says, and the horses and the riders shall go down, every one of them, by the sword of his brother. Remember Judges, chapter 7, verse 22. Gideon and the Midianites going to war. But the Lord is the one who fights for Gideon and the 300 men. The Lord is the one who causes chaos in the camp. And what happens to the Midianites? They're so rattled, you might say, they're so shaken that they begin to take their swords and to fight against one another, slaying each other. So the Lord's like, remember the Exodus. Remember Gideon. The Lord will do it again to the nations. First comes destruction. The Lord is going to destroy the strength, the power of the kingdoms. Their armies will be done away with. When? Don't know the day on the calendar, but what we do know is the God who speaks, and he says, I'm about to. When the Lord says, I'm about to, the people of God ought to pay attention. That doesn't mean just go on with life as normal. That means wake up. Keep awake. Watch. Be on your guard. Be attentive. The Lord has said he's going to do something. You should be looking for it. You should be anticipating it. You should be, well, what Jesus says to his disciples when he speaks about the destruction of Jerusalem. Keep watch. You don't know the day on the calendar. You don't know the time or the hour. But here's what you do know. I'm about to. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to subdue the nations. He is going to take his power and his glory. And he is going to subdue the kingdoms of the earth. He will overthrow their thrones. He will destroy their strength. He will do what he did in the Exodus. He will do what he did with Gideon. And he is saying he will do it, so he will do it. Are you paying attention, Zerubbabel? 
Are you paying attention, church? He says, I'm about to. We should be watching for it. So there's a destruction that is prophesied in Tisrebel that is coming. But for a person who's trying to live faithfully under God's covenant love and seeking to honor the Lord, we've, we've rebuilt this temple. What, what's the Lord saying? We've rebuilt this temple just for him to destroy it? Are, is Israel going to go away? What, what is the Lord saying? The Lord's not just going to speak of destruction. He's also going to speak about restoration. The Lord will overthrow the kingdoms and the nations of the earth. But in verse 23, the Lord says, I'm going to, but on that day. Mark that. On that day. Well, what's the day? We don't know. He doesn't give us a calendar date. He doesn't give us a time. He doesn't give us any more information, but the, simply his word on that day declares the Lord of hosts. What will he do? I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheatiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel was sent to the land underneath the authority of the Persian king to rebuild the temple. But the king who sent him in 538 was dead by 530. Cyrus dies. We don't really know exactly. There's a lot of stories about how Cyrus dies, but we know he died in 530. From 530... To 522, there's another king in town. And he dies. Cambus is dead. Cyrus is dead. Zerubbabel remains. Interesting. The kings of the nations are even dying in real time before Zerubbabel's eyes. The king who sent him there is dead. His replacement, his son, is dead. And now we have Darius the king, who, by the way, has taken the authority in a scheming kind of way. And he is the one who's reigning over Zerubbabel. So the nations in Zerubbabel's time, Zerubbabel begins to rebuild the temple in 520 B.C. Three kings have come. Two kings have come and gone. One king is remaining, and Zerubbabel's watching the nations in an uproar, and the Lord says, I'm going to overthrow the nations, and Zerubbabel's, I, I see that. What about us? What's going to happen to us? And the Lord declares his word, and notice that happens three times. The Lord declares the Lord of hosts, declares the Lord, declares the Lord of hosts. You can bank on this. You can trust this word, what the Lord is going to do. On the day when you see the nations, like snow in a snow globe, scattered to the wind, on that day, declares the Lord, Zerubbabel will be taken into the hands and brought near to God. God will take him as his special possession, just like he took David 
out of the sheepfold and made him king. The Lord will take Zerubbabel just like he took Moses out of Egypt and called him and sent him back to Egypt. Just as the Lord took Abraham out of Ur and brought him to the land of Canaan. The Lord says, on the day you see the nations collapsing, I will take you. Notice how the Lord refers to Zerubbabel. I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant. The one who has faithfully served me in the past, but more importantly, the one who God has set apart to serve him in the future. When you see everything in turmoil, take heart, O Zerubbabel. I've taken you to myself. But then the Lord says, O Zerubbabel, my servant. He doesn't say I'm going to make you my servant. He already is his servant. He's faithfully been serving the Lord, rebuilding the temple, encouraging the people to continue in the work of the Lord. God labels him, marks him out as a servant. He's already that. He's not going to become a servant. He already is his servant. But he says, I will take you. When you see the destruction happening, I'm going to take you, declares the Lord. And I'm going to make you like a signet ring. The Lord will take him to himself. And the the imagery is beautiful. I will take you out of the destruction. I will preserve you. And I'm going to make you like a signet ring. I'm going to place you on my hand. As an emblem to the nations. That I have taken you to myself. I have made you mine. And in such a way that I am going to use you to leave my mark on the world with my authority and with my will working through you. The signet ring was a ring given to kings that was given to their representatives to mark them out as trustworthy. The the king could put their confidence in that person to go and do the deeds and to do the acts that the king willed with the king's authority. And the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, says to Zerubbabel, I'm going to take you. I'm going to make you like a signet ring that I will place upon my hand to leave my mark in the world. What beautiful imagery. That someone whose life might seem like it's just all up in the air. The Lord says, no, I'm going to restore you, O Zerubbabel, to be the kind of king, the kind of leader, the kind of man, just like your father David. One who served me. Remember, God took David and made him a man after his own heart in which he worked his will and, his, and, and, and worked with his authority through David. The idea here for Zerubbabel is like the Lord's restoring his kingdom. The Lord's not just restoring Jerusalem and the temple and, and in the future will restore the walls. No, he's going to restore his kingdom. He's going to restore the house of David. What a promise. What a hope. 
There's something to look forward to here. If you remember in Jeremiah, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 22. This doesn't seem like it should be. Because there was another signet ring. There was another man. In chapter 22, verse 24, we read this prophecy from Jeremiah to King Jehoiakim. He says, as I live, declares the Lord, though Kuniah, Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. That seems like a devastating end to God's promise to David. Jehoiakim, you're like a ring. I'm going to tear you off and I'm going to give you over to the hands of your enemies. But look at verse 27. It says, but to the land to which they long to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Kaniah, a despised and broken pot, a vessel no one cares for? Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land that they do not know? Oh, land, land, land. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless. No future. That's what that means. Write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his day. For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. But then on the 24th day, of the ninth month in the second year of King Darius by the prophet Haggai, the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, Jeconiah's, Jehoiakim's, excuse me, Jehoiakim's grandson. The Lord says, I will make you a signet ring. The Lord is restoring the promise that he's made to David In Jeremiah, the Lord said, there will be no children. But the Lord kept his covenant promise to the household of David. And there was a son who was found to be faithful. His name is Zerubbabel. And the Lord says, through you, I am going to restore the kingdom. I'm going to bring about a blessing. O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheetiel, declares the Lord, he's going to make you like a signet ring. So the Lord's going to take him to himself. He's going to make him into a ring, an instrument of his own authority and power to work his will in the world. But then he tells him why. The Lord tells Zerubbabel why. I will take you. I will make you. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Notice who's doing all of the action in this passage. It's the Lord. Seven times the Lord is the subject acting. 
I will shake, I will overthrow, I will destroy, I will overthrow, I will take, I will make, I have chosen you. The climax is, in a world where everything seems to be falling apart, the Lord has preserved for himself a man who seeks to be faithful to the Lord and his generation, that the Lord will turn and rebuild the world with. He will restore the world with. And he will not just do it merely because he's a good king who has good wits about him and paid attention in Sunday school and can make things work right. No, he will actually be God's representative who has his authority, who has the confidence of the Lord, and who has the power to do what the Lord requires for him to do. We don't learn much more about Zerubbabel beyond this text. Was he faithful? Well, we know that he had a son, and his son had a son, and his son had a son. And the Lord had made a promise to restore the throne of David. Shetiel gave birth to Zerubbabel. And what we find out is that those faithful men, they held on to that covenant promise. They did not give hope. They continued to have children. They continued to hope in the covenant. They they kept banking on the Lord. They kept trusting in the Lord. They kept looking to the fulfillment of the promise of the covenant that God had made to Zerubbabel. And what do we read in Matthew chapter 1? We just heard a sermon on it just a few weeks ago. Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheetiel, and Sheetiel was the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad, and Abiad was the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim was the father of Azor, and the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, Eliad the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the King, the Christ, the promised one. The exact imprint of the image of God, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The one who would be God's representative, who would speak the perfect word, who would do the perfect work of God in the world. He came, and God has fulfilled his word to us and to Zerubbabel, because God has taken the Lord Jesus Christ to himself. He has made him to be a signet ring by which the Lord is working his will and placing his imprint and his authority on the world. Why? Because the Lord has chosen him. The Lord has chosen him to be his king. And the Lord has established him. Because when the world shook again, literally shook like an earthquake, There was a man who looked like he was being destroyed. It looked like he had been overthrown. It looked like he had been 
well, shaken, destroyed, and overturned. But yet the Lord, Yahweh, had taken this man to himself. He made him a signet ring. He chose him to be his anointed Messiah, King. And yes, that man did die. Yes, that man looked like he was destroyed. But in his defeat, or so we thought, he was raised victorious. Given the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. All the kings, all the thrones, all the nations will now have to turn and bow the knee to this king, who is your king, who God has established as his own, making you his own, if you have acknowledged who the king is. See, the Lord says he's going to destroy, he's going to overthrow, and he's going to shake. But we learn in Hebrews chapter 12 that he says, yet once more, I'm going to do it again. The snow globe is going to get shaken again. And the things that are shakable will be done away with. But the things that are unshakable will remain. The question is, have you come to the kingdom that cannot be shaken? Or are you still negotiating with the kingdoms of this world? There's one king that God has promised to preserve. There was one king that Haggai prophesied to that said, through this line, there will be a blessing. Zerubbabel got the prophecy, but Jesus fulfilled God's word. So how many kings, after all the shaking is going to be done, how many kings and kingdoms do you think will remain? One. What king and what kingdom are you putting your hope in, putting your trust in? What king are you banking your life on in such a way? Well, there's only one kingdom that will remain, and it is the kingdom of God and of his Christ. So, what are you hoping in? What are you trusting in? Because I'll tell you what this world is coming to. This world is coming to a point of destruction and a glorious restoration. The question we have for ourselves is, what king are we trusting in? What king are we hoping in? What king are we clinging to when the shaking begins? Only Jesus will save us from that. Put your trust in him. Put your hope in him. And he will take you. He will make you his representative in the world. Because for those who put their hope in him, what we can learn from Ephesians is, if we trust in him, we know that he has chosen us. So, look to Jesus. Trust the king and the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's pray. Our Lord, God, and King, we rejoice in your word and in your truth. We thank you that you've established your king in heaven. There is a king in Zion. 
Lord, we pray that we would turn now to trust wholeheartedly in you and in your word, looking for the day when you will overturn the kingdoms of this world. You will destroy their strength and their power. But Lord, we know that you have set apart for yourself one who has, you've taken to yourself, you've made your signet ring, and you have chosen the king that is above all kings, the king that rules over all things, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're looking to him. We're trusting in him. But Lord, for anyone here today that is not trusting in him, Lord, by your spirit and through your word, will you work salvation in your heart that they might see the fleeting things, the fleeting kingdoms and the fleeting powers, those who cannot save as what they really are, just mere men, and look to the king of heaven who reigns and rules, that we would all bow the knee, that we would kiss the sun, and that we'd find refuge in him. Because blessed is everyone who takes refuge in him. We thank you for that. We pray that we would continually hide there in this refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.